Hi, my name is Dr. Fabrice Lubin, and I'm a clinical psychologist. And my name is Rachel Wagner, and I am a clinical therapist, and welcome to Mindful Chatter. This is a place where we keep it real, keep it relevant, catching up with one another, and most importantly, catching up with you. Today is another Thursday. It is the last Thursday in January. Can you believe it? I can. You can? Yeah. I can't believe it. I feel like this has been the longest month. I don't know why. I feel like a lot has happened in this month. I can tell you why. Because we went into a new president. Yeah, yeah. That could be part of it. A little bit. I think it's more than that. I think that definitely is a big part of it. But I think that it's a lot of transitions. Not just a new president, but transitions in my life and starting this podcast and... Um, you know, getting a new position at work. So a lot of transitions, good stuff, but also scary stuff at the same time. You're right. There's a lot of actual personal stuff going on with me as well. Everything in this month feels like it was like jam packed as if the universe had all of this stuff waiting for me and it was supposed to be spread across maybe the last <laughs> like four years. And then it was like, no, nah, let's just do it all in January. Let's just get Aha, it. We're here now. Yeah. We're doing this for this month. <laughs> I wasn't ready. It was a lot at once. It was a lot at once, but reflecting back on this month though, you know, I'm excited that we got our first episode out and now we're on to our second episode, um, which I'm really pumped about today. We're going to be talking about intimacy and that's something that I know that a lot of people struggle with or get really excited about or get really nervous about. So I think it'll be a fun topic. I'm thoroughly going to enjoy this topic. I feel like (laughs) Because this is the thing that I think about the most in my life. I'm constantly thinking about this idea and how it relates to just like my professional career and also in my personal life. Absolutely. I think every single day I spend, I would say, a significant portion of my mental energy thinking about intimacy, connections, relationships. Um, I think intimacy is just, it's such an interesting word. I think there's so much more to the definition of intimacy. I guess what would you say is maybe your definition of intimacy? I sit with it in terms of a couple different parts. There's the physical intimacy, there's the kind of psychological and I think talkative and chatty intimacy. So I look at it as if you can have both then you're experiencing like a true intimacy, both that physical component, which is, you know, how we touch, how we connect, how we make love. And then there's also the personal communication, psychological intimacy, how we share our stories, what stories we tell ourselves. Do we hide things from each other? Do we give each other our all? Absolutely. I totally agree with that definition. I want to add in there too, a lot of times people think immediately intimacy is sex. And that's like what intimacy is. But I think it's just so, it's so much more than just, you know, sex and lust. It's, it's more about a connection. It's a physical, but also emotional connection that we can create with people. And I think it's something that can be very delicate in different relationships that we have. You want to hear the clinical kind of definition of intimacy? Yeah, did you literally just look it I up? Just, I just looked it up. I was like, what? <laughs> Throw it at like, me. Give it to me. What is what it? What is the definition of intimacy? Which to me makes it feel less intimate. But 
what we have here, according to the dictionary, is just a close familiarity or friendship, closeness. Oh, that's like sitting in a room with white walls and no pictures and no paint. I wouldn't know what that feels like. That <laughs> That's a little bit too intimate right now. That is just, that. I feel like that leaves out so much more. I feel like that's a very surface level definition. Intimacy has much more color and much more, I don't know, it, it's more in depth than that. I think one of the things that immediately comes up when we're talking about intimacy, especially whether it's just with people, we instantly think of sex. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where our mind and our bodies go. Is this person intimate with me in a physical realm? Sure. And as I've gotten older and as I've matured in my own relationships, I've seen that definition become so much broader and so much more expansive to include things like intimacy with just trying to understand another person and having real empathy and thinking about this person every day and wondering what do they like and where do they want to go with their lives and asking questions about them. So it's kind of really cool to see how intimacy evolved from maybe what what used to be touching, hugging, kissing to thinking, feeling, being. What is the difference between lust and what is the difference between love and intimacy? I mm. think that what you were talking about, like in the beginning stages when we meet people and we are constantly thinking about them and we're constantly, you know, daydreaming about them and, you know, maybe even thinking about ways that we want to text them later or things we want to do with them, you know, sexually or otherwise, you know, thinking about their, I, a big thing that I do when I become, you know, connected with someone is when I'm thinking about them often, I often think about their face and their lips. And that's kind of like a big connection piece that I have. And I'm like constantly throughout the day, just like, Hmm, I wonder what they're, they're thinking about. I wonder what they're like doing. I wonder what they're talking about. And sometimes I just think about, Oh, I just want to be with that person wherever they are just like kissing with them or being, you know, sexually intimate with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's more lust than it is love. Yeah, I think that there's that pervasive kind of rumination. I love how people, like the scent of people, and I think about when they come into the room, that immediate perfume or kind of odor that follows them, and it kind of floods your brain with everything. You know what's always kind of, as I get older, what's kind of always like started to annoy me? When you're starting a new relationship, how everyone will just kind of remind you, they'll be like, well, you're in the honeymoon period. (laughs) And there's a part of me now that just wants to push back against that. And I do this sometimes just to say, yeah, I'm in the honeymoon period. And it is my God-given right as a human being in a new relationship, let me enjoy the new car smell. And it's awesome. Right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Don't put a death and end sentence on it. You know, I feel like that's what people are doing when they say that they're kind of like brushing off that fun, really energetic part. Like why can't the honeymoon phase come and go? And, and, you know, I think that it needs to, you know, as we grow and as we develop connections and relationships, sure. Things will get comfortable, but it doesn't mean that that honeymoon phase or that lust needs to disappear. I think that lust and love can go together. I don't think that you transition from lust to love. I think you can have both. 
wow. Did I just blow your mind right there? You kind of did. <laughs> and I kind of wanted to to follow up with the idea that perhaps when it comes to to intimacy and why people say, oh, you're in the honeymoon phase or, oh, this thing that you're going through, it's just infatuation or it's mm-hmm. just lust or it's just this craving for another person. And there is, there's science that says like there's this oxytocin and there's dopamine spikes and all of these things. But also people are looking to control. They're putting the white walls around it. Right. They're putting those definitions. And that control is the death, I think, of intimacy. Because the moment that you feel like you're controlling this, the moment that you're pressing a button to operate this machinery, are you really being intimate with this person? Are you really connecting? Just like you were saying, there's this physiological flood and this this amazing thing. You're vulnerable to your body's reactions naturally. You can't help it. Real intimacy, I feel like I don't have any control over what's happening to me, how much I think about that person, what I want to do, where I want to go, my aspirations, my dreams. My well, we can't, we can't control our thoughts in it, but I think it's also when forming these connections, we kind of have to open ourselves up to being more vulnerable. We have to let down some of those walls so we can con- sometimes control the walls that we have up, but sometimes we don't know they're there. I think that a lot of times these walls that are built up are from past relationships. I think that there's so much risk that goes into becoming intimate with someone, and therefore we have to be vulnerable if we want it to develop into a more deeper connection. My question kind of for you and for myself is what are your walls and what are the walls that we put up? Maybe the ones that, how can we be mindful of what these walls look like? Because I think that they can change depending on the circumstance where we are in our lives. Yeah. We were talking before we started recording about ghosting and dating in general can be really, really hard, especially when you have so many different ways of meeting with people now, which is amazing, but you also have technology that creates a separation and makes it a little bit harder to connect in person. So ghosting is a phenomenon that happens when you're texting with someone or dating with someone and then all of a sudden they just go silent. I was telling Alan before that I had a moment where I was dating someone for about three months, talked every single day, we went on dates like two or three times a month and All of a sudden, out of nowhere, I saw him two days before and he didn't say anything to me afterwards, didn't text and call, which he was really good about. I know, it's ridiculous. I have no idea what happened. But like the I kind of was going over in my head, like what what did I do? What did I say? Nothing. I couldn't come up with anything. Two nights later, I was at a bar with some friends, and out of nowhere he shows up at the same exact bar that I'm at. And I am filled with rage. I'm hurt. I am upset because I made myself vulnerable to this person. I formed that deeper connection with this person. I talked to this person. I shared my daily life with this person, right? And I thought that we were on the same page with that, but I guess we weren't. So when I saw him, he like saw my roommate before and my roommate was like, oh yeah, Rachel's here. And he was like, okay, cool. And I then ran into him. He didn't come to see me. He didn't seek me out. I ran into him. And I was so hurt. I wasn't just mad, but I was hurt that he couldn't even tell me, hey, 
you know, we had this connection, but I just, I don't have that anymore. Something was lost for me. Maybe I can't open myself up to a relationship right now, but I was just hurt that I made myself vulnerable. I put myself out there and he just decided, nope, not going to do it. Not even going to acknowledge that you did that. I can feel in that space, those, those two things that we've been talking about, that control versus the uncontrollable. So here you are showing up with that uncontrollable vulnerability, that thing you can't stop. You couldn't stop yourself from feeling hurt, from feeling angry. And he shows up with that controllability. By ghosting, he controlled the flow of the conversation. He chose to remove himself from thinking about you, feeling you, wondering about you. And he, he put found, that wall up. He put that wall up. Mm-hmm. He and stopped his own vulnerability. He controlled his own vulnerability in those moments. Did you see any anger or hurt from him in that moment or anything? Sure. I mean, I, I think he felt somewhat remorseful. And eventually he messaged me and said, you know, sorry, I handled it the way that I did. I just wasn't ready for a relationship. And he was able to say that. And I think then again, I was ready for the vulnerability. I was ready for making myself or opening myself up to creating that relationship and that intimacy with this person. But I can't do that if that person also isn't ready for that, which is fine. But if we don't know these things and if people aren't open and honest, then the hurt and the pain comes, which carries over to other relationships and makes it much harder for us to want to open up because we've made ourselves vulnerable before, but we've been kind of like hit our hand was kind of hit away and we were told don't make yourself vulnerable because if you do then you're going to be kind of left in the dust yeah there's there's this thing that i think people often forget which is when when you're sharing an intimate space with somebody you can intimately even admit that the relationship is over that there's an honesty and a truth that can come you don't have to completely avoid or abandon or remove yourself completely. That there can be a dialogue, making space for it to say, hey, I really, really cared about you, or where I was at was in this place, and now with time I feel like I'm not ready or I'm not prepared. Here's a conversation that we have to have. And you can still preserve a little bit of that intimacy in a real way so that both parties, I think, can leave feeling stronger, learning more, Absolutely. And kind of growing and being just mindful of each other. Absolutely. I think that there are so many wonderful reasons to be vulnerable. I've had many relationships that in my past, whether friendships or romantic partners, that have flourished because we allowed ourselves to be vulnerable. I I remember one person in particular where we would literally lay around for like all day on Sunday and all we would do would just be like entangled in each other and just just talk about things and talk about our hopes and our dreams and our aspirations and that vulnerability and getting to that level with someone is what makes me want to open up to other people in dating and makes me want to get to that space. So although vulnerability can be really scary, it can be also amazingly rewarding at the same time it's overwhelming that that sensation once again it's that lack of of controlling it piece or really having any sort of tightening it's this loosening up of the self it's this loosening up of of dreaming and sharing those dreams with another person i love that moment of vulnerability where you feel like you could ask that person anything in the world and they'll answer 
And even if it's an answer that is inconsistent or somehow different, you're both creating the space to say, whatever you are, whatever you want to be, you can do that. It's unconditional positive regard. It is complete acceptance of that person in that moment. And it's just so amazing. I mean, literally just thinking about it, I get chills, <laughs> you know, because it's, it's that, mo it's those moments that I think as human beings, we, we, we want, and we are constantly trying to find in our relationships, those moments of being able to be vulnerable with someone, but also feel completely accepted by that person. That is therapy. I know. That is, I think what pulls me and as I'm as I'm hearing us in this and kind of just being present to this conversation, you know, maybe that's that's what we keep going for within all of all of our work, or at least in in my sessions, I I keep pulling for that place of intimacy with people. And when you get there every day with somebody, it reminds me of how huge the world is, how much I don't control, and also how much love there is that exists in this huge contraption that I'm, which I can't say or do anything about. Oh, absolutely. I think it's incredible in those moments to be able to create that and to be able to get to that space. It's hard. Would you say that you love the people that you work with or that you love the work? I love the work. I care deeply about the people that I work with because it's not a mutual relationship. Mm -hmm. I care a lot about them when they come into the door. I give them unconditional positive regard. They can say anything in the world. And I mean, someone came in the other day and told me that they voted for someone um, for Trump. And I was just kind of like, okay, I still accept you for who you are. You have your own reasons for this. I care deeply, but it's not a mutual relationship because they don't know me. I don't come into sessions and tell them about my day or tell them about the things that are going on in my life that are tough because that wouldn't be therapy. That would be a friend. And that's not what they come here for. They come here to be vulnerable, to be able to leave some of those negative, tough feelings, those vibes that we talked about last week mm -hmm. in that room so that they can carry on and go throughout their day, maybe feeling a little bit lighter or maybe thinking a little bit deeper about things that are coming up. Sometimes people have asked me, what is it like to sit in this room with people who are at their worst self or at their worst in their lives? And it's funny because what I see often is I think, no, this is the best version of somebody. It's that person who's not holding back. They're not. And if they are, I can even gently and, and try to point that out in a safe way. Like, hey, is there more to say about this? That, that you could talk about. And I want to create that space for you to, to be intimate, to connect in this room with me so that this way you can carry that intimacy out to your life with other people. I want you to understand how to connect through conversation, through eye contact, through body language, through artwork or poetry. And I want you to bring the elements that work in here that create and foster intimacy for you I want you to bring that out there into your lives. Do that with your partner. If you had a great conversation with me, what does it take to go do that with the person that you actually love in your life? Absolutely. I think we model ways to create healthy relationships in order to be more open with others and vulnerable with others. 
um, because it's not necessarily something that is easy. I think it's so hard when we've had tough relationships or we've had tough upbringings or we've had just tough things happen to us. It's hard to get to that space, but it's not impossible because I think it can be something, again, that is so amazing. So how how do those past relationships, you think, impact kind of present and future moments of creating intimacy with another person? I think it takes mindfulness of the fact that it's hard for us to get into new relationships. I think it is really recognizing within yourself, okay, right now I'm feeling anxious going on this date and maybe I don't feel super comfortable, but I was really hurt by my last relationship. So maybe going into this, I just need to take it really slow. So I'll just share surface level stuff this time. I always talk about trust being on a spectrum, okay? So when we meet people, depending on the past relationships that we have, trust is going to be somewhere on that spectrum with just some random person that we met off of like a dating site or a friend of a friend or even like a new coworker. It's going to lie somewhere on the spectrum. The more we get to know this person and the more that they maybe show that they're listening to us, they show up when we really need them, um, they're there for us if we have like a tough day, our trust is going to go up. If someone doesn't respond to our text messages or doesn't return a phone call or skips out on a date that we're supposed to go on, our trust is going to be less and less and less. I think that that's that's such a really concrete and really, really intentional way of examining how we can build trust in tiny different ways every day throughout our lives with other people that we want to be close to. I, I kind of have reflected with a lot of people in my therapeutic work, especially with couples, that there can be moments of time where there are two forms of, of hurting people sometimes in relationships. Uh, you, can, you can either be really honest and tell the truth and hurt them that way, or you could try to hide yourself and repress parts of how you feel and hurt them that way. Where a person can then say, well, the last time I was in a relationship, that person wasn't honest with me. They took stuff away from me. And now I'm going to carry that kind of defensiveness into my future relationships because how could I ever trust another person? Yeah, absolutely. I, so I also refer to this in sessions. Um, I call it PTSD and dating. Mm. Um, I talk about how when we go into new relationships, we have a natural anxiety. We carry past things from past relationships into these next dating, you know, episodes or whatever. Yeah, these kind of <laughs> artifacts or I think of like you're it, it you're at O'Hare and you've got this really, really heavy bag that you just kind of drag with you. Yeah. And every now and again, you just like put it right on the table and you're just like, oh, wait, hold on. Let me check like all of this <laughs> stuff. Oh, I've got a toothbrush. Oh, I've, oh, wait, wait, here's that ex-boyfriend. There it is. <laughs> there and it he, is. he, also responded to me in a similar way that you responded to me. So therefore I must not be able to trust you. Um, so we do carry information into our next relationships. Absolutely. But I think that we have to be mindful of that. I think it's okay to be scared to date. I think it's okay to be scared to make ourselves vulnerable. I think that dating is really, really tough. I, I do it. I'm in it. I think it's something that's hard to do um, because ultimately the end goal is finding that person, is finding that person that 
can be vulnerable with you and that you can be vulnerable with. But getting there is tough. It is hard work because we have to sort through all of those past relationships, right? And we also have to be willing to say, okay, this person's different than my ex-boyfriend or my ex-girlfriend. So I love this conversation because I, I can come at it now from kind of a different perspective of what it's like to be in a serious long-term relationship Absolutely. for years. And something that I, I, I kind of observe is that over time, when you're in a close, intimate relationship, you'll start to develop a script with each other. And you'll follow that script without even realizing that it's kind of creating a wall. And I kind of look at it as as the way plaque builds up in your mm. teeth. There's nothing you can do about it. You could brush your teeth every day, but no matter what happens, naturally there's going to be this kind of calcification. And over time, you can't, you don't see that person anymore. You don't, you don't, you just see the version of themselves that they that you've kind of projected on them and they don't see you anymore. You, so your intimacy starts to kind of subtly dwindle. Mm. And one of the things that I think is so essential is really trying consistently and mindfully to find something new about the person that you're in love with or that you're in a committed relationship sure. with. Finding that part that you don't control. Finding and appreciating that part that is outside of you or outside of the script that you gave them, whether it's you know, if they cut their hair or they they want to wear, they want, they go from wearing silver to gold all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And searching for those moments can really remove that calcification. And also fights and conflict can bring out that vulnerability and that rush again. And I think that's why sometimes you'll find in a long-term relationship, you'll get into all of this like really intense fighting and then you'll have the best sex of your life <laughs> that night because you're back in that state of like, ah, oh, we're vulnerable again. Yes. Oh, I, I, for, I forgot this feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because in those moments, maybe you bring it back up to surface level because of those projections and because of that wall that's built up. But you're, when you're trying to see other things and you're trying to create the intimacy in different ways, then you're getting back to that vulnerability. It's so important in those moments to, to open up space and to share with people and to communicate with people. So, you know, I, I just wanted to put out there for a resource today uh, or kind of a reference is there's this great book of poetry that I found over this last month called Milk and Honey. And in this book, uh, Rupi Kaur, I believe her name is, uh, she kind of goes into really, really short poems that explore all kinds of forms of intimacy in relationships, in not just with dating, but with her parents, with her sexual abuse that she's experienced. And it kind of is separated into four different parts, the hurting, the loving, the breaking, the healing. And I think that this is such a great example of how through art, you can create a space to understand intimacy in a real and much better way than necessarily just dialoguing about it or seeing it in a movie, that there, there are other forms to kind of connect with that sense. So one of the, the poems, that, and it's really, really short, but one of the things that struck out to me is, is this one, which goes, I need someone who knows struggle as well as I do. Someone willing to hold my feet in their lap on days it is too difficult to stand. The type of person who gives exactly what I need before I even know I need it. The type of lover who hears me 
even when I do not speak, is the type of understanding I demand. wanted to let you guys know that we appreciate any feedback that anyone's been giving us whether it's been friends or family but we definitely want this to reach out to everyone else so please 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 share us with your friends and family or other people that might be interested in intimacy or vibes check us out on soundcloud.com forward slash mindful chat we're also on twitter at mindful chat And you can email any inquiries to mindfulchatterpodcast at gmail.com. This has been Mindful Chatter. See y'all next time.